welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangeter. I'm a certified coach and the author of the book, Holding the Fort Abroad. In this podcast, I interview men and women who live abroad and have traveling partners so that we can all benefit from their wisdom and experience. I also invite relationship experts to apply their expertise to this topic. Today, my guest is Shelley Burrows. Shelley is a UK registered art therapist she has 10 plus years experience counseling within the education sector, specializing in trauma and sexual abuse therapy. She's an experienced child and adolescent counselor using a range of approaches from creative arts and play sand tray therapy, child accelerated trauma therapy, narrative therapy, and strength-based psychology. She also knows all about third culture kids. And you've also, I should add to this, Shelley, that you also currently living right in split locations with your husband and you've also been an accompanying spouse with a traveling uh, partner so Shelly welcome to the show thank you very much it's lovely to be here Rhoda what a lovely introduction <laughs> thank you can you tell us a little bit about yourself your personal story as well as your professional story yeah it's an interesting story and it was fantastic to find myself at FIGT conference a few years ago in the Hague sharing these stories with people that had the same stories it wasn't the same countries but it was just this is where I fit in and um, what I found in my life is that the vast majority of my friends and family of course stay at home in the UK and they remain there but our movements my movements firstly as a single person um, where I kind of moved to to Japan I worked in Japan teaching English and in North America I always wanted to live abroad and travel and work abroad that was just my thing and I was always doing various things working in Australia for example work visa programs where it made it very easy to go and do that for a few months or a year and that's where I started um, after meeting my husband, uh, we kind of went to Japan together. He, he followed me out there. I went first, like I've come first to Canada. Uh, so I had time on my own and he joined me. And then as a couple, we went back to the UK and we stayed there for 10 years. We had 10 years in the UK where we just stayed put, had, um, had our son and daughter. And then um, I was offered a job in Malaysia in 2013. And we went as a family to Malaysia for four years. Since then, in returning to the UK, we were there for about four years, I think. It flew by and we always aimed to end up back in Canada because I have dual nationality. I'm really fortunate in that respect. My dad was Canadian. My mother was British and my children have dual nationality as well. And just looking at the opportunities uh, that there were available to us as a family, moving to Canada just looked like a really, really good option for us. And of course, as I'll explain more as time goes by, it's been a very, very interesting 12 months. So you're currently living in split locations. Yes. So um, I'm in southern Ontario. I'm about an hour and a half northeast of Toronto. And my husband is still in Devon in the southwest of England. Yeah. See, because a lot of people think, oh, um, people like couples will live in split location with families you know one parent in one country one parent in the other one maybe because it's a non-family duty station or because mm -hmm. it's a military family but actually there are loads of families who do this 
from business families, you know, parents who work in, in business, um, in the nuclear sector, people who are like, journalists. Um, this is not, it's not just the military families no. uh, or humanitarians and non-family non duty stations. So big question, what are your main takeaways? And I know that you have teams, so I'm interested <laughs> in also having that aspect. My main takeaways are watching my children develop in some ways where I've been really amazed at how they've stepped up to the plate. My daughter arrived here when she was 12 and you know, she turned 13 here and my son recently was 15. So they're just at that point where I can see the seeds sown in a few years ago of who they're going to be in the future, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one thing that I found really telling was their connection to their Canadian selves. Okay. So before they came here, they had Canadian passports, but they'd never been to Canada. Okay. Before we left, they would talk about their Malaysian selves in the past tense, mm -hmm. their British selves in the present tense, and their Canadian selves in the future tense. So you could kind of see this, okay. well, which one am I and where does it fit? Now it's the, I understand the Canadian part of myself, where it fits, where it doesn't fit. They love Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is just this coffee shop that sells cakes, which my children absolutely love. And it's very, very Canadian. But okay. they're identifying with Canadian things. They're identifying with Canadian culture. And that has really, really helped them. And I'm watching them connect with their friends. I'm watching where they fit in. And also that the questions that they're asking me about where I fit in and where I fit in as a Canadian who sounds extremely British. Um, it's been a really, really interesting experience for me watching them develop. And as teens, they would develop anyway. But mm. I found that their, their questions have got more complex and harder to answer. Yes. <laughs> As they're sort of create, they're building their identity. Yeah, and it's like, that's a great question. I need to go and think about that. <laughs> but also I can see that the ambivalent losses, the unnamed losses, and then the named losses, all of that kind of stacking up because you have COVID, uh, you have the aftermath or interim of COVID. I'm very careful to use the word normal. It's a, it's a new stage. And where that fits in, with where they are now and them looking into the future. Hmm. Do you think like they've experienced hidden losses or unnamed losses through, through this split location? It was heavily impacted by COVID in the UK because the last week mm. of school where everything was planned, the good goodbyes, um, I'm aware that you know I used to be a school counsellor, the good goodbyes were very, very important and then school closed because of COVID. Yes. So they couldn't see their friends, they couldn't say goodbye. My daughter was absolutely beside herself with grief because she mm. was not able to see her friends at the park and have a picnic mm. as she'd planned. So that ending, that door effectively was left swinging open. Mm. And I really did see the impact of that as time went by. That was something that was not necessarily anticipated, but we did put a couple of things in place just in case. But school closure happened with about two days notice. Yeah, that's really difficult. That's really difficult. Do you think having their dad in another country has brought up hidden losses or? It has. And I did see the changes. And then when he came to visit, he came to visit us for a month and there was 
when I say the word regression, it was more about wanting cuddles and reassurance and the physicality of him being there, you know, mm-hmm. sitting next to him close to the sofa. And there was a lot of teasing. <laughs> I teased him a lot. But it was like just that getting used to having him around again. And he was shocked by how much they'd grown because okay. he hadn't seen them for 10 months at that point. Mm-hmm. So he was like, wow, they're, they're enormous, I think was the first thing he said. Really? So there was that. But then it was also he had missed out and it was his losses as well. So it was all of our losses on the table and they were all linked, but some of them were quite different. But loss is loss, ultimately, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So you would talk about it quite openly, right? I assume. Yes. Yes. And being, I mean, being a school counsellor, it, it does help to address these topics my children feel comfortable talking about them I mean my son as he gets older you know he's 15 he's kind of less less into talking about feelings if asked if he's with me on his own and I can tell he might want to talk he'll bring it up when he feels comfortable Mm. I've I've seen like the the emotion the emotions wheel yes you use the sort of name emotions uh, for for us, but also for our children, right? And just naming it helps to just diffuse it a little bit, if that's the right word. Yes, definitely. And you can tell, I mean, he's working out who he is anyway. Mm. Um, And at his school, I think that he is, there's only one other British student there. So he hasn't Mm. gone to a kind of international school environment where there's lots of other British students. Like his school Mm. in Malaysia, it was a British school system. Uh, and there were a lot of British students there because there are a lot of British staff there. And in this school, it's very, very different. So I do see this kind of, I, I kind of fit, but it's not the same as before. And I only know one other British person that I've seen in him. But his connection is through gaming. Um, my daughter's is is a different kind of gaming. She's younger and it's more about, you know, Roblox and things like that. But connecting and chatting with her friends. So I see how it works for both of them very differently. Yeah. It's interesting because a friend of mine, she, I remember her saying to me a few years ago, uh, and it was part of my journey of starting to dig deeper into living abroad and having a partner who travels a lot who, or who is absent, you know, away from home a lot, is she said, you know, she was American, he was, her husband was American, they lived in America, and she said to me, that since they'd moved to Switzerland, it felt really different that her husband wasn't around. Yes. That when she was within her home situation, it was fine. And then the fact that she was abroad, it changed the dynamics that he wasn't around. And so that's what intrigued me, really. I think it does feel different that these these children are creating their identity. They're going through the third culture kid experience. And on top of that, there's this extra layer of having a parent who's a home-based parent and then but who's still in a relationship with someone with the other parent. Yes. And then the, the, the other parent who's traveling. So it just adds a layer, I think. No, definitely. And I think for my son as well, it's not having that male figure in the house to look to. He doesn't have that male template here. It's at home and he knows where it is. And, you know, they, they speak to each other. But on a daily basis, that male template isn't there. My daughter in a different way, she, you know, she, she looks to, to him for physical reassurance, whereas my son looks for guidance. And I can see the difference between my two children, what they both are looking for. I mean, they both need physical reassurance. They both need guidance. But when it's got to the point where, 
for instance, being trying to find work and it's very difficult and trying to get somewhere and issues with professional registration. Uh, that's another story entirely where I'm holding, 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 holding. And then you, you get to the point where it's like you've got your hands clenched in fists for 10 months. And you get to that point where you start to you know, relax your hands slightly, obviously, before all the shipping had to be backed up. And then you realise how much holding you've had to do. And then you think, well, how much is left in my battery? How much can I realistically still hold? And I think it's seeing that parent as a human being with limitations, with moments where I've had to sit my kids down and just say, look, this has been an incredibly difficult week. It's not about sharing everything. They are not my equals. They are not vessels for me to pour all my stuff into. But there is that point where they do need to know a layer the layer at the top of what is going on. So they're aware. And I think if you're having a really bad day, it's just managing that can be very, very difficult. And it would be like talking to myself almost, right? What can I tell? You know, I can tell them out of 10 steps, I, I can tell them step one, just that this is what's going on right now. This is why I might not be in the best mood so that they're aware. It's just days of holding but also being aware that you still have that responsibility to them as well as yourself. And then there's nobody else there to help balance that out, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. That, and, there's, and that is multi-layered, what you've just said. Yes. Because it's the responsibility of taking care of the load uh, when it's too much for you. So mm-hmm. it's taking the responsibility of saying, okay, this is, I'm getting to my limit. There is no nothing in my battery left. Yes. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, something I came across in my research, which I, I wasn't te- technically aware of, but is parentification a little bit, right? Is, mm-hmm. is, is, yes. is the danger that your child becomes not necessarily as far as becomes your parent, because that's a specific thing, but but that, that they become another adult and yes. that you're sharing with them as you would with an adult. And you're yes. like, no, 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 no. That's something that people, I think listeners need to be aware of. And I remember an instance where I, I was about to share something that was really weighing heavy on me to, to our 14 year old, who was, I think, 11 at the time. And I caught myself in time because I'd been researching it and it was so s- small in a way. Yes. But but I thought, oh, no, I mustn't burden him with that. Yes. So I found, a th- so by that time, I, I had a therapist, and that's the right person to speak to, yes. <laughs> you know. <Yes. laughs> um, so there's, so you mentioned, you know, taking care of our own battery level, uh, battery level, and then not weighing too much on, on your children. Yes. Um, and the fact that, yes, the other parent, if, if the other parent is present, then they, there's, there's a bit of kind of, um, you can have some downtime, yes. right? Whereas when when you're parenting twenty four seven, or you're not even parenting when you're on the on duty, not duty, but you but know you're, you're on call. You're on call. You're on call. That's the word I'm like for. You're on call twenty four seven. I think that's where. So, well, what's your advice? I mean, I found that um, I do a lot of journaling. Um, I do uh, daily mm-hmm. post it every day on Instagram. I found that that helped. But also in what I did in my journaling, I mean, I look back at it now and I see the lack of face to face communication that I had with people and which really made me kind of go, whoa, you know, it's it's I've got my friends in the UK. There's people that I can contact when it gets really difficult. But I'm also aware of the time difference than being at work. 
Um, I get home, sorry, I'm, I get to five o'clock in the evening, my kids come home. And of course, evenings are kind of can be quite emotional times when everybody's very tired and stressed, but everybody in the UK is in bed. So, you know, you kind of have that, I really need to talk to somebody, but everybody's asleep. But then right. likewise in the morning when I call my husband, it's it, if it's been a tough evening, it's just, do I want to start every first call of the day with last night was really awful, but then do I not want to pretend that it's been okay when it hasn't you know you have that balance and I do find that I have two or three people that I can go to but it's just one person is in Vancouver so I have somebody to contact in the evening should I I need to kind of just touch base with somebody there's people in the UK and then I have people in the far east so I kind of just have a couple of people in each time zone if I need to just text someone and just say I've had a terrible day or you know how are you doing just to chat and that has been key because the time difference yeah. between here in the UK you know it's five o'clock sit down or you know let's start texting time and it's 10 p.m and I can't <laughs> Yes, that's a very good point. <laughs> like, sorry. And, and when I first moved here, it's like, oh, no. But then I'd have people texting me back at 3 a.m. So, you know, that got worked right. out over time. But 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 five hours time difference is surprisingly tricky. Yes, yes. Um, you, you, you mentioned uh, your post-it notes. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So the first day of COVID lockdown in the UK... I smile as I remember this. I was not smiling at the time. Where I lived in the UK, uh, it, was, it was a very, very small house in the state. And there was this child on a bike, riding around in circles, uh, ringing their bell. So all I could hear was ping, 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 ping. And then it would go quiet for about 30 seconds. And then they'd come back and do another circuit. They did that for four hours straight. What? And in the end... People were opening their windows and yelling at this child, just stop it. And this one guy's like, shut up, you're upsetting my dog. So I had post-its on the table and I just thought, start now. This is day one, start now. So I drew a bell going ping, 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 and the person shouting, shut up, you know, my, you're upsetting my dog. And I just thought, right, one post-it per day. Uh, the last school I'd worked at, we'd created a post-it tree where we had leaf-shaped leaf post-its and I'd drawn a massive tree in the um, medical center because we had children getting really distressed, waiting to see the nurse. And before we knew it, it was a victim of its own success. We had children coming in just to fill this thing in. They were all clamoring in at the medical center. Nobody could get in and out in the mornings and afternoons. It filled, it was fantastic. So post what did they put on the post-its? Anything. So some people, it was good morning. Um, it was when there was the Bataclan attacks in Paris. People were writing things about that. Uh, goodbye to friends. Um, lots of things. Pictures, smiley faces, sad faces. You name it, it was up there. And it was amazing. So post-its for me have always held that kind of space in my mind where people are comfortable with post-its. And as an art psychotherapist, people freak out when you get out paper. Not all, but there's a very high level of anxiety about art performance. I can't draw. I'm no good at art. I'm not an artist. If I had a pound for every time someone had said that to me, I'd be very wealthy. But post-its, they're small, they're containable, people are used to them, and you don't have it at all. People will quite happily scribble away on post-its. So that's why I had loads of post-its in my house, and I just thought, document this. I have no idea how long it's going to last but I will do one per day. And that's what I've done. And I'm, I think tomorrow is my 777th post-it. 
Oh my word. And people can check them out on Instagram, yes. right? Yes. And what's your handle? Uh, Creative Global Connections. Creative Global Connections. What do you think it does? People have got in contact with me saying, I get it. It makes sense. I felt like that today. Um, I know how you feel. I'm not on your own. So they connect, yes. They're connecting with you on your message that you've put. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and sometimes, I mean, people will sometimes you know, ask how I'm doing. Like, it looks like you've had a particularly bad day. Um, I'm not pulling any punches, but it's not it's not going the whole hog either. I mean, I have a personal journal, which I put a lot more detail into, and that's more private. But it's just about giving that idea of what it's like to be on your own or, in my case, without a car. Um, I know after a year, about two or three people because of covid and it's very, very, very interesting to see the isolation in retrospect. And also, I think to say it's all right to feel like this, it makes sense. But for my children, it's I see how they grow up. It's some of the events that were funny. It's some of the things that were not funny. Uh, and it's just something that they can have. It's also for them as well. So I've always been the record keeping person in my family. And I'm aware how quickly those things can just vanish so that's also it as well it's it's going through this process and going through this experience which has been unprecedented and making sure that we log it and I look back at it now and I laugh at some of it and other bits I cringe but there are things that I would not have remembered like it's a year ago since I flew here and I remember being at Heathrow Airport Hotel I turned the TV on for the news report and they had a photo in the background of where I lived, just around the corner. So you've got the BBC News and then there's my street, which was really bizarre. So wow. it's all of those things where you go, oh, that's strange. But with images, you don't have to use words. I think that there is so much going on for everybody right now. Words can be very, very triggering. And I'm hearing that more and more and more from people who work with children. And images are just more contained and safer. If you don't want to talk, you don't have to. And that's the beauty yeah. of art psychotherapy. That is brilliant. Do you think it's helped you in the post? Like if you hadn't had the posters and the journal? Yes, it has. Because when I got here, it was still in the throes of COVID. I couldn't meet anything, anybody. Everything was closed. You know, all these kind of social avenues were not open to me. Now, in hindsight, it's easy to say, well, why did you move during COVID? But A, we didn't know how long how long COVID would last. B, it was where my son was with his exams and schooling. C, he, you know, they were both accepted at really good schools and we always aimed at coming to Canada anyway. So mm. it was just about managing that. And as citizens, we could enter the country anyway. Um, mm. But it was just Canada's rules versus the UK rules Canada's rules have gone on a lot longer and right. I, it was just we had no idea but it could be three months it could be six months we had no idea but it was meeting people socially became almost impossible yeah so you recorded you connected with people really using the post-it notes post-its yes um FIGT people my friends at home that are comfortable using zoom and whatsapp people around the world I would say 50% of my connections during this year have been FIGT people which has been fantastic I don't know what yeah. I've done without everybody to be honest yeah yeah I'll put the link in for families in global transition because Thank it's you. been a huge help to me as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. 
What would you say to a family who's about to live uh, sort of where one parent is in one country and another parent is in another country? Sit down as a family and look at what you think your needs will be and what they might be or turn into over time. So, I mean, timelines are very, very helpful. I always find timelines helpful and post-its are good for that too. So if it's a 12 month period, what do you think by the time, you know, the kids finish school, the holidays you're fitting in. So, so as a, as um, somebody who's worked in education for many years, I have my therapist head and my education head, which is really okay. helpful, but look at say, for example, the 12 months or longer as a point of where do you think that kids will need the most support? Where do you think mum might need more support? How is dad going to feel when he's had six months away from everybody? And just look at what can we put in place? So A, we can plan. B, we have things to look forward to. I think it's very important that you set up things to look forward to that are realistic. Um, I, I spoke to somebody the other day and they'd planned this massive holiday and they were all going to go and do X, Y, and Z. And of course, because of COVID in the country they were going to, they didn't have a secondary plan in place. Now, I think with COVID that's happened to most people, but they were just talking about their plans had gone. So I find that the communication is really helpful. Um, I would like to say that sitting down saying, oh yes, you know, every week we would sit down and talk about our needs as a family, but that doesn't work with teenagers. Um, they charge off into their bedrooms. They want to connect with their friends online. And that was just the one thing where I would say, look, if something important comes up, we need to sit down and have a conversation about it as it's needed. Uh, and I found that to be effective because otherwise they were like, what have I done wrong? <laughs> so, uh, I just need to just, how do you, yeah. How do you bring in your husband into those conversations? So, or you don't? With, the time difference and him working, it's very difficult. So what I do is I would text him the day before or we would have a, a conversation on WhatsApp and say, right, this is what's going on. Um, we had a couple of school issues, for example, with my son. Um, he, he was not handing in his schoolwork and it was just a case of what do we need to do? My husband agreed to email the school and go onto the online schooling system to check. So he had his job a role rather and then my role was to speak to him face to face and to go to the school if needed now when we got to the point where when my son gets home from school it's 11 30 p.m in England so that just completely wipes out the opportunity of any conversation because my son's exhausted my husband's in bed he doesn't want to talk about it at that point so we would make it on the weekend so he knew on Saturday or the Sunday that this conversation would be had and we would reach an agreement before Sunday right right to come back to the timeline so you would you said you would put where you think the um, the, the mum would need more support where the the children would need more support to plan things to look forward to I think that's brilliant I remember uh my husband came back for Christmas and I'd planned one date, one date. And it took me ages to put it in, in place. <laughs> the one day that we were going to be just the two of us, one of us falls sick. I can't remember which one. Oh, yes. And I was like, okay, lesson learned two. Next time I plan two, because if one falls through, I was so disappointed. <laughs> but I think you're right. It's probably best to, to plan a few smaller things to look forward to. Yeah. So that if one falls through, you still have the others. 
yes. uh, rather than some big one that then if it falls through, it's just a catastrophe because you've been working, yes, you know. Yes. What else would you put on the time? Oh, I suppose, okay, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Birthdays, Christmas, if your partner can't be there, how does that, how do you navigate that? I'm just thinking in my mind, I mean, a lot of the trauma work that I do involves timelines. So, you know, you might have four people in a family, each with different colour post-its, and you put down what you will need and what you will need when, and then take a photo on your phone. Always, always take a photo on your phone. So you have it to refer to. So if a breeze blows in and blows all the post-its off, which does happen sometimes, (laughs) I I always suggest using two post-its together because they stick better, they don't blow away, but you have it all on your phone. The other thing that you can do is each person can do it separately, which would be another conversation in itself. But sometimes I think it's attention span, you know, kids are kind of, all right, yeah, I've done it, thanks, and, and I've finished. But when you have those needs is that you can do different versions. You can do the version of what you see happening. You can do the timeline version of just say they can't turn up. What can we do instead? I wouldn't go past two versions because then it starts to split and split and split and you're splitting hairs and you're looking at five, six different versions before you know it. But it's just if they can't come, what is our other version? So then you just have two comparable versions and again, take photos of both. I mean, you can stick, you can stick them on the wall with post-its, but with my kids, what I found was that the not knowing what date my husband could come and leave. That was a really big one because it's, we know we don't, we're not sure. We're not sure holding not uncertainty. That was really, really tiring for all of us. Even if the date changes, it's better to tell them. Yeah. And I mean, my, my kids, I mean, I basically said to them, it will be around this time. It depends on his job. So they knew. And then I said, as soon as the flight is booked, I, you know, I will show you so you can see it's booked. And that's what happened. And you said earlier that, you know, to also put on the timeline, what we think we might need. Yes. What, what, what do you mean by that? How, how can you know what you think you might need? I mean, there's times you just go, I know in the last month that I will need more support. And I know, at the, you know, if it's say, say, for instance, you don't know how long you're going to be there or it's indefinite. I would just take a 12 month period. But just say, for example, um, say I recently had the anniversary of my mother's death. So it's just I am aware. Kids are aware. It's just, you know, it's one of those days we all have those days and especially those of us who have lost parents that we're very close to where it's just a day where you feel everything a hundred times more. So it's just there. And, you know, my children didn't meet their grandmother, sadly, but, you know, they know. And my daughter was talking to me about it on that day. But it's those kind of things where it's just it's an anniversary something else important happened on this day or it's the day that we left anything that comes up and very often I find that children can lead that quite well and actually name things that you haven't even thought of that is brilliant so you have the timeline yeah and then you have um different each person has a different color post-it and you put it alongside the timeline. that's brilliant yes Brilliant and, and you can Brilliant I mean you idea. can if you have a big wall you can you can stick it on a wall you know you you, you don't have to kind of draw a timeline if you need a big space because quite often these things grow and grow and grow but you know I just find ta- tabletops and taking a photo is good and, and then just writing on the post-its and moving them around if you need to that's the beauty of it but also it's um I found that when I go away from it even if it's to have a cup of tea and just switch my brain off and then I go back my brain has kind of processed it. And I'm a very, very visual thinker. You know, if you wrote it in a list, 
like a list from top to bottom, my brain then has to switch it from, you know, left to right or right to left, depending on your culture. My brain finds yeah. that really hard. So it's, it's nice to have it sort of visual, then different members of the family can also have a look at it and see what things are coming up. And, and they, the children adding to it, they, they look at it and just say, that's my color, that's my need. And they can add to yes. it. Thank you so much. Is there anything like that we've not mentioned? Anything that we've that you wanted to add? I mean, there's so much that we could talk about. I think we've covered most things. And, and thank you for doing such a fantastic job. I mean, I would just say in light of my experience this year where it's lasted a year and I'm having to return to the UK, I think there is a whole kind of other layer of stuff that comes with being that person who is the returnee, the returnee, the person coming back, but not because the contract has ended or you're just coming back because you're just coming back. I think coming back because it didn't work out as expected. That's a whole other topic. And that's a whole other set of layer of needs, which I will be kind of facing when I return to the UK and have to kind of explain yes. what came about and why. And I'm certain on some level that it was predestined. It was decided that this was my year and it was not meant to work out this time. But my kids got to ice skate on lakes outside under the moon. Um, my son went on a camping trip and saw a moose. My kids have got to do things, connect with their Canadian sides of themselves and see this part of who they are. And to be honest, if they can come back with that, it was worth it. Yeah, no regrets, Dana. So you and your children will be reintegrating. Yes. And re relocate. Um, so yeah, repatriating, but uh, not your husband. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> it will be. And I mean, when I talk to my kids saying, what would this chapter in our family story be? Because uh, mm -hmm. to me, it would be what? Our, our, a year of adventure in Canada, for example. Whereas for me, I think it would just be moments of pure frustration. But our family, you know, it's, it's what is that chapter in our family story called? And I think that the, the narrative therapy part of me comes in with that where what would this chapter be? And I am aware of, you know, my husband's losses, stroke, where he will be. It will be my children's individual losses and where they will be. And then likewise myself, but also that it is just about, you know, a year is enough for you to have gone through a lot as everybody knows, but it's going back and you're not the same. The place isn't the same. Was it no man steps in the same river twice? And I am very, yeah. very aware of the, I would describe it as a dip, but that is the necessary reprocessing to repatriate. And I'm, I, mm. I'm glad that I've gone through it, but it is difficult. Mm. There's been a few actually um, occasions where I've spoken to where it's the parent and the children who are returning to the dad yes. or to the parent who's who stayed. So I'd be very interested to hear um what your experience is any of your observations are from that time definitely um there was something else I wanted to say I can't remember it's gone but it 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 um does oh about narratives I think it's interesting that you brought that up because it's also something that can be helpful as you're living it right as you're living the split location yes how would you use narratives in that situation I mean, I found it very helpful with reframing because there are a few, well, there are more than a few days where I just thought, what am I doing here? This is a nightmare. Everything appears to have gone wrong. 
And it was yeah. very, very difficult because I didn't have anyone here physically that I could have those conversations with that I knew well enough. But what I mm. found was it's just what is the purpose of this year? And when I sat down and thought, right, what is the purpose of this year? What am I learning from this year? What are my kids learning from this year? And actually, when I sat down and thought, actually, and this was after we went ice skating under the wolf moon, where it was just, there's still these gifts out there. There's still these moments out there. You know, I, I might feel that I've not got a job and failed. I had to reframe it because I think that I would have really, really struggled to get out of that pit had I allowed the snowball to continue building momentum. So when I looked at it as this is providing my kids with tools for their future, it's providing them with an extra facet to their identity. We never would have done this otherwise. That is what helped me. And when it was our year of adventure, which my kids were like, yeah, yeah, it's our year of adventure and Tim Hortons. Of course, they always have to mention Tim Hortons and laughing again. But that really helped them see where I was at as well and I would definitely say that the reframing it or what chapter would this be called and I wasn't doing the calling it wasn't me telling my children what the chapter would be called I was just asking them theirs were very much about we came here and we did some amazing things and when they told me that I just realized that job or no job it hasn't been a complete waste That's a really good question that listeners could ask their children or ask themselves is what would this chapter be called? Because then it it anchors it into the family narrative and it also creates unity. Yes. Even though you're not under the same roof, you're in the same narrative. Yes. And and post-its again, I mean, it would be what would the chapters be called from the beginning? You know, when you were born, what would the chapters be? So, you know, for some, okay, living in Kuala Lumpur, um, you know, might be called this. I mean, if I asked both my children to do it individually and myself, I mean, admittedly, I'd have a lot more chapters. I usually sort of limit it to 12. Um, Obviously, when I'm when I'm working with teenagers, 12 is kind of manageable between eight and 12. And then you've got adults doing 20. <laughs> They're still going. Yeah. And especially what about younger children? Younger children are about six. I mean, I would ask them to tell you what you think the story might be in parts of the story. I would say about six or they can just help you do it. I mean, you can talk to them about it. What could we call this together? so that they're comfortable saying what they think their chapter might be called when they were born, or what was this chapter when your brother came along? And they give some really, really interesting clues. And that is also something that I've used with kids in the past, where some of the chapters where I've just thought, right, in my mind, you're telling me you lived in this beautiful house, in this beautiful part of the world, and they just write down, you know, um, uh, one person, one girl that I worked with just, just said, a year of being completely alone. And we realized afterwards that her parents had gone abroad and left her on her own. She was 14, completely alone. So you kind of get these, you told me that you lived in this beautiful house and it was absolutely this and you had loads of money and then it was a year completely alone. So you get this and that's from a therapy point of view, but when you have this story, what did it teach you? What could you take to the next chapter? from that chapter so it's when you look at it again it's like a timeline in a different sense that is really really helpful as well so when I do that with my kids and I did it it was funny they were laughing I wasn't kind of saying I'm sharing this with anybody this is just what you see is valid 
And I think that was key yeah. was your view is valid. That is such a great tool that a mum or a dad can use. Yes. You, you can just do it as a fun activity. You could do it as an activity for your year and say, hey, let's every month name the month as a chapter. Yes. Or just use it as a, a way of kind of having fun, but also anchoring it into the family story. Yes. I, oh, that is fabulous. <laughs> I feel like you've shared so many things already that are so useful. So I feel like the last question maybe is a little bit redundant, but I normally ask my guests if there's a favorite life resource that they, um, something, but you, you've shared the, um, the post-its, post-its, which really is <laughs> like, it's just amazing. I love how, is there, is there one other thing you wanted to share? I would just say is that for me, it is post-its, but it is also having that moment with myself where I forgive myself. And that I think is key as well. And, you know, on a good day, fair enough, it's relatively straightforward on a bad day and a tough day and I think therapists talking about tough days I've had clients kind of looking at me a bit sort of puzzled but I'm saying this is what I use and I think that the yes being kind to yourself and yes taking care of yourself but also forgiving yourself and that's not just as a parent that's as a person to myself and that is what I have found to be key in this where I'm contacting home. Have you got a job yet? Have you got a job yet? No, no, you know, I'm still looking. And I think that it is that where you just keep going, but also in that narrative where I'm looking at my own narrative and thinking, yes, this has value. And what I have done has value. Right. That is very, very good advice. Thank you so much. you're not are you open to clients or not yes I, I am open to clients I mean I will be shortly returning to the UK we're just in the final stages of completing that because my kids need to complete their school year here which is about six weeks left because they need to return to the UK with their exams finished and a complete school year to start next mm-hmm. year and then after that mm-hmm. I'm available so um, for teens, for adults children adolescents is my main focus but adults as well but Anybody who is TCK, adult TCK, domestic TCK, um, anybody with, you know, anything relating to identity. I mean, that is a lot of people. But I also do a lot of work with international adoptees. Wherever I go, I find work with international adoptees and their families and also trauma work as well. And trauma work. Okay, so where can people, I'll put in the show notes where people can contact you is it an email address yeah, it's, it's website? my website uh, it's it's um, shellyburrows.com if you could put it in the link because the spelling my name Shelley my mum decided she wanted an original spelling which resulted in me spending the rest of my life spelling my name to people who look at me strangely when I say I'll spell Shelley for you <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Shelley for everything you've shared and all the amazing tools that okay. you've shared with us um I hope that our listeners have really, I'm sure they've they've um, gotten some great tools, but I hope that as a listener, you've also felt encouraged and um, please also share this with your community and with other parents or people that you know. Thank you so much, Shelley. Thank you. My pleasure. And also, um, um, if anybody would like to email me with any questions, if you could include my email, that would be great. Just contact me if you've got any questions because I love sharing this stuff. Thank you so Definitely. much.